Um, I'm grateful to, to be back in the church where um, my son was born 12 years ago, where I met my wife, um, where I became a part of a Canadian church family. So it's been wonderful uh, to be back, not just as a guest for one Sunday or maybe a second, but actually to be back in the church. And, and I'm grateful to see old friends and, and um, people who have been here at the church for a long time, have been faithfully serving here, and, and that is such a blessing, such a blessing to, to be able to come back to a place like this and, and be known and to know people. Um, that has been just amazing for us. So I'm very blessed by your faithfulness, by, your, by, your, by you being here, and, and I'm blessed to be your brother. Can you think of something that is quite common, but very few people talk about it, especially in public? I don't know what you're thinking about. I'm talking about prayer. Dr. Reginald Beebe, a famous Canadian sociologist, he made some very interesting statistical research on, the, on prayer habits and beliefs of Canadians. And he found that 75% of Canadians pray privately at least once in a while. 75%. Three out of four Canadians pray from time to time. And 30% of Canadians, every third Canadian, prays once a day. Even though Canadians are people of prayer, we could say, they're also very private about prayer. We don't like to talk about how we pray, what we pray for, how often we pray. Often even our spouses and very close friends don't know much about our prayer lives. What was a few decades ago, we, we didn't talk about sex. We didn't talk about politics. We didn't talk about death. Now that's okay most of the time. But we don't like to talk about prayer, at least not in polite society. It's not something you just kind of um, talk about when you meet someone for the first time. So I'm very excited to be allowed to talk about prayer here in public, openly, to you. And, and I would love to, to get to know more about how you pray, what you pray for. And I do hope that, this, that the goal of this sermon is for me that we all would pray more often, that we pray more often together, and that we would pray with more faith. Now we're going to start with, with um, the passage on prayer that was given to me out of James. Samuel, I'd like you to come forward and, and help me with the reading. From the letter of James, chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him in the oil of the lame of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will rise, raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. 
Therefore, confess your sins to one, one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has a great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain on the earth, and the earth bore fruits. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Samuel, for reading this text to us. Prayer is not just something we don't like to talk about with people in public or even with our friends, or even with people in church. If we're honest, I think most of us don't really like prayer. We don't really feel comfortable praying. Praying is not something that we look forward to and say, oh man, I can't wait. Tonight I'm going to do a half an hour of prayer, and I just can't wait. It's not like a cup of coffee in the morning or a shower that we were really looking forward to or a weekend trip away to a cabin or a canoe trip or a bike trip or a date night with our loved ones. Why, why is that? Okay, maybe you all like to pray. I don't always like to pray. Why is it that most people don't really love praying and are excited about it? Why do we treat prayer as kind of a bitter pill, something that we resort to if nothing else works? One reason, I think, is that we see ourselves as the character O in the movie Home. I don't know who's seen Home. Who's seen Home? All the parents have seen Home. <laughs> I have not seen Home, and I'm very glad I have not seen it, because that character, O, is really annoying. And that's the whole point of the movie, that there's this blubbery, slimy, pink thing, I think it's pink, called O. And the reason why he's called O is because he's so annoying that whenever he comes somewhere and people know him, they say, O, O. He's coming. Oh, he's here. Oh, so annoying. I think that often we deeply inside in our hearts feel that that's how God feels. Oh, Marcus is coming with his concerns, with his childish, immature, materialistic, selfish, egotistical concerns. That is a lie. We are not oh in the eyes of God. We're yay in the eyes of God. In the Bible, it says that even a mere glimpse of our eyes make God blush. It can make him smile. He loves when we come and pray. It says just as much as God loves Thanksgiving when we're happy, he loves it when we come with petition and prayer when we're not doing well. That's how this passage starts. Come and pray if you're suffering. Just the way you give thanks if you're doing well. In Philippians 4, 6, it says the same thing. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. God wants everything on our radar, anything on our mind to become 
an item of prayer. Things that have been on your mind last week. Concerns that you've carried with you throughout the week. The things you were contemplating about last night. Maybe you couldn't even sleep. God wants you to turn these things into prayers. He wants you to take your problems and turn them into prayers. It is not an O. It's not annoying to God. He loves it when we come and take our issues, our suffering, our pain, our problems, and turn them into prayer. When I was in the military and I was on guard duty, I had to write down everything and report it that happened. If a soldier walked by the office where I sat, I had to report it, I had to write it down. That's, I believe, what we're supposed to do. If something crosses our mind, we're supposed to report it in prayer. We're supposed to bring everything on our mind, in our hearts, that's a burden to God in prayer. When it comes to bringing problems to God in prayer, I think we're often a bit like 13-year-olds that don't want to talk to their dad. I think we're supposed to be like three-year-olds that are going to their dad or mom, constantly tattling, constantly saying what happens, constantly reporting all the bad things that happen. Oh my gosh, she touched me. Oh my gosh, I fell and I'm in such big pain. You can be a pain in God's ears and it's okay. He loves it when you come. Be a tattletale in prayer. Go out from today and think, I'm supposed to be a tattletale in God's ears. Often we seek the solution for our issues in life in the wrong place. It's kind of when I go around the apartment and I look for something. I look everywhere. I look really hard. And then finally I go to Danielle and say, do you know where this is? And she goes, she opens the cupboard and tells me it's right here. I think that's kind of what's happening often in my life where I look for solutions to my problems everywhere except that one cupboard where it is, the cupboard of prayer. Instead of seeing that prayer is the solution to my problems, my brain my mind, my thinking is telling me that I need to find a solution in myself. Naturally, our minds in the West are conditioned to be atheists. We're conditioned in our minds to live as if God did not exist. We're conditioned in our thinking to approach life as if prayer was not an option. I was taught to find a solution in myself, to be self-sufficient, independent, responsible. So everything outside of that, outside of my resources that I'm bringing, is a sign of weakness. It's something that I unlearned to use. And as a consequence, I'm not going to prayer to look for a solution. But the solution is right in front of me, in the form of prayer. The solution for, for your suffering, for your worries, for your anxieties, for your heartache, for your body ache, 
is right in front of you in the form of prayer. 1 John 5 says, This is the confidence that we have towards Him, God. That if we ask according to His will, He will hear us. In Matthew 7, 7 it says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. The first thing James tells us here in this passage is to not hesitate to pray, to take things on our mind, the issues we carry around, the burdens we carry, take them and turn them into prayer. The second main point here in this passage and this, it's a general letter to the churches. And it's written for us as well. It says, don't pray alone. Don't pray alone. Yes, Jesus told us to go sometimes and pray alone in our rooms. But the Bible also tells us not to pray alone. It says, get prayer when you get sick. It doesn't mean we don't go to the doctor. That would be kind of like turning down the solution he's already given us. The help he's already provided for us. We don't want to turn that down. We gladly receive the help we have through doctors and the medical system when we're sick. But James, the apostle, the half-brother of Jesus says here, when you're sick, go and ask the elders for prayer. When you're flat on your bed, you can't get up, ask them to come and pray for you. Why the elders? The elders are expected to be mature, people of faith, strong faith and prayer. We don't ask them because of their official title, because it's polite for them to be asked and for them to come so they have something to do. That's not the point here. Elders are seen as the ones who will be able to pray the prayer of faith. That's what it says. They will come, they will anoint you, they will pray the prayer of faith. Sometimes there's a bit of confusion about what the prayer of faith is. Prayer of faith is not a prayer where we claim something after we've named it and it mechanically should just kind of come to us. That's not the prayer of faith. Prayer always happens in, in relationship with God. It's not an act of, of mechanical transaction. It's not a technological transaction where I push a button and then deus ex machina, something happens and I just get that prayer answered. The prayer of faith has, in my experience, two sides. It's having faith in God. When we pray the prayer of faith... It doesn't start with the words, if you want to help me, God, if you want to heal me, God, if you think it's a good idea that I pray for this. That is not the prayer of faith. Our prayers for help and healing and God's intervention in life is supposed to start based on who he is, that he's a good father. That he does want to give good things to his children. So when I pray for healing, I don't start with an if. Because my kids don't come to me and say, Dad, can you 
take this sliver out if you think it's a good idea? No. They can't say, Dad, oh, help. I need the sliver removed. Because they know that that's the natural right thing to ask. So when we ask for healing, let's ask and pray based on who God is, on his goodness. When we need help, when we need provisions, when we need his intervention in our life, let's pray based on who he is, based on faith in who he is. The other thing, the other aspect on the prayer of, of faith has to do with, with assurance. The prayer of faith is dynamic. When, when you learn to struggle in prayer and you, you keep praying for a certain issue, there will be from time to time an experience where you all of a sudden sense a shift. First you pray and you don't even know maybe whether God is listening and you keep praying, keep praying on, based on who he is and you keep praying and all of a sudden you sense this shift. All of a sudden, you know in your heart that God, God has answered my prayer. You all of a sudden feel that, you know what? God is going to give that to me. He's going to help me with that. It's amazing how if you press in based on who he is, that you will experience this faith where you know that you have received in the spiritual. In this materialistic realm here, in this, in this dimension, it, nothing has changed. The issue is still there. The problem is still there. The fight is still going on. The pocket is still, the, your wallet is still empty, whatever it is. But all of a sudden you know, God has answered my prayer. That is what, what the prayer of faith means, where we pray in faith in who God is. We ask him in faith, and then we receive faith. And when we don't receive that faith, we keep praying until we receive that faith. And then we praise him. We can praise God and be grateful and praise him for his faithfulness and his goodness. Sometimes we're too weak to do all of that. Sometimes we're too distracted or too discouraged. Sometimes we're spiritually or physically too weak for that. Or maybe you're too young in faith to have learned how to push in, push in prayer and, and just lean in. You're not alone. The Bible says that we're a part of a body, that we're, we're connected we're part of the household of God. We're part of the people of God. So when you're sick, you're in pain, and when you're scared, when you're suffering, when you need help, you are not alone. People are here to pray with you. People want to pray with you. That's why it's important that we are vulnerable with each other and don't pretend everything is fine. Yes, we dress up maybe on Sunday because we want to celebrate God's goodness and it's, it should be festive. But if we come all decked out and everything looks perfect and everybody's smiling and we never share with each other where we struggle, nobody can pray for us. And everybody else thinks 
that they shouldn't really share and ask for prayer because nobody else does. So it's so important that we share with each other and ask for prayer in areas where we're weak and overwhelmed and suffering. Sometimes we're spiritually or emotionally or even physically weak because of sin. James speaks about that sin can really affect our health and how we're doing. That's why James calls us to confess our sins to each other and to receive forgiveness and deliverance. It will help for prayers to be answered and sometimes to even receive healing. As a young man, I experienced that uh, I had an addiction and for years I tried to shake it and I couldn't until I went to an elder. I confessed my addiction and I received prayer. And what I couldn't shake off in years like that was broken. And I went home that day and I was delivered. Jesus is clear that sickness is not necessarily based on sin. And we should be very careful to associate someone else's sickness with sin. But here in verse 16, it says that sometimes we are sick because of sin. And confession is needed before we can receive healing. And it doesn't talk about confessing sins to God. Did you hear that? It says to confess our sins to one another. And we do that wisely. We do that to someone we can trust that will not go around and share it. We go and, and ask an elder to come and pray for us. Someone that deserves that trust. Praying Getting someone to pray for us should not be our last resort. It's not supposed to be something that I only do when the bitter pill of prayer hasn't worked and then I have to swallow an even more bitter pill and I then go and ask. No, it's supposed to be something like a meal. A good meal does not taste very good alone. A good meal tastes better when you do it with someone. That is how prayer is supposed to work. Have people surround you in prayer. In the last four years living in Calgary, I have prayed more than I've prayed in the 10 years before. And it had nothing to do with the bad weather, although that makes you pray. And it had nothing to do with the bad economy, although that does make you pray. It had to do with two friends that I had with with whom I met once a week to read the Bible and pray. And we had an agreement that we would pray and read our Bibles every day. And we reported to one another whether or not we had done so. Kind of a Wesleyan thing. It helped me to have two other guys pray for me, reporting how I was praying and praying together and reading the Bible together. We need one another. I need you. I need to be a part of a church, and you need each other. There is no solo disciples. Christianity is not a silent monk somewhere sitting all by himself, somewhere in the desert or an urban desert. That is not the Christian faith. When it comes to prayer and faith, we're like penguins. Alone, we're not going to make it very far. 
The third thing James talks about in this passage is how to pray with authority. Praying is like breathing. It gives us life in our faith. And it, it changes us. Praying changes you. When you pray, all of a sudden your perspective changes. All of a sudden you find peace in an absolute chaos. All of a sudden you see things more clearly than before. But it's a big problem when people start to teach that this is what prayer is about. That prayer is just about your inner self and your inner peace and, and it changes you. No, you know what? The Bible that I read about in the Bible, uh, in the Bible, the prayer that I read about in the Bible, it changes things. Prayer changes things. Not just you. Things outside of you. It makes God move on behalf of you. I know that's not very popular right now. Most people talk about the inner effects of prayer because it's politically very correct. But I'm telling you, the Bible's view of prayer is that God moves on behalf of you based on your prayers. Scripture is full of accounts of prayer that changed the course of nations and the world. Because of prayer, God brought Israel out of Egypt. Because of prayer, God healed Miriam's leprosy. Because of prayer, God gave Hannah a son. Because of prayer, God gave Solomon the wisdom he needed to fill out his role. Because of prayer, God raised a Roman centurion, a bad soldier dude, his child from death. Because of prayer, God delivered a single mom's child of a demon. The Bible is full of many stories where God did something, something absolutely extraordinary sometimes, based on prayer. Here in, in James 5 it says, in verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it didn't rain on the land for three and a half years. And again he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crop. The prayer of a righteous person is incredibly powerful. Can you imagine stopping rain with your prayer? Can you imagine getting it started again after three and a half years with a prayer? The Bible is very clear that this actually happened. That God actually changed the climate based on prayer. I wonder if that could give us a new approach on climate change. Not that we would use our bikes less, of course. God listens to the prayer of a righteous person. The problem with that is I'm not righteous. I don't know how about you. But I read that, I'm like, okay. So the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. The Bible says that. But I'm not righteous. Ask my family, ask my kids, ask my wife, ask my neighbors, the people that drive on the same road where I drive. I'm not righteous. Nobody is. No human has ever been righteous 
in themselves. The only way how we can be righteous and have right standing with God is through the atoning death of Christ. By believing in Jesus Christ as our Savior who died for our sins, we are put right with God. By believing in Jesus and making him our Lord, that means that we are a righteous woman, a righteous man. We are righteous, not in, our, in ourselves, but in Christ. That is what our faith is about. That's why we're here together, because we are and were made righteous through Christ, through the forgiveness of our sins. This is how we can pray as righteous people. I don't know if you feel that you're on the same level as Elijah, but the Bible says here that in Christ, we are put on the same level as Elijah. Okay? In Christ, through your faith, through the forgiveness of our sins in Jesus, we are put in the same category as the giants of faith in the Bible. Okay? You are on the same level before God as Moses, as Abraham, as the prophets, as the apostles, as the saints of the church. There were men and women like you. But when you come before God, when you come to pray, to intercede for your needs, for the needs of others, for the needs of those who ask you to pray for them, you are on the same level as the dude who stopped rain for three and a half years. You don't have to be better than you are. You don't have to be holier than you are. You don't have to be called Elijah or be acknowledged as a famous prophet. Before God, in Christ, you're put on the same level, in the same category as the men and women of faith and the prophets. We can approach God as a son, as a daughter who asks for help. No good things does he withhold from those who are righteous. And you are righteous if you are in Christ. Many of you know that Danielle and I have been developing a daycare. We've been planning and working on this for a very long time. And it's been an amazing journey. Amazing because of what we learned, but more so because of just the grace that we've received and experienced, the help that we've had um, from people who just, we don't deserve it, but people have started to help us and root for us and pray for us. It's been amazing. But it's also been a journey of crazy obstacles. Many moments where we all we could do is fall on our knees and pray because we couldn't do it. We didn't know how to proceed. About three weeks ago, we first received a really good report, namely that we could open the daycare to the extent uh, that we wanted to and include the full amount of kids that are allowed in one daycare. 
We were rejoicing and super happy. We had prayed for that for a long time. In my prayer journal, you could see I marked that prayer many times. And yeah, we're so excited. We were allowed to, to, to get it licensed for 25 kids. Well, at the same time, or a day later, we heard that we would have to make major investments to actually finish the daycare center. It would be such an investment that without huge inheritance or huge grants, we could not do that. It was way above our means to be able to do all, make all these investments and renovations. And we fell on our knees and we prayed. And we prayed and we prayed while we dealt with the city. We dealt with the deputy chief building officer of the city. And we prayed. And all of a sudden, this chief, deputy chief building officer, even though we had not really, we hadn't even the means to f- follow the formal way of submitting a relaxation of bylaws. We just wrote him emails. <laughs> Danielle was just her charming self. <laughs> and all of a sudden, he started working for us and spent hours trying to make this happen and talking to the fire chiefs and different people. It's a total miracle. Two or three officers of the city had told us this is a major obstacle. Like, yeah, you got your 25 kids, but you are in trouble because you're going to have to do so much renovations. And then we got answer back. We heard that we didn't have to do anything. We didn't have to make, do any of these renovations, that they would relax the bylaw for us. We were so grateful, so grateful and so moved that God would care for us so much that he would go and, and move these city officials' hearts. The Bible says the hearts of kings are moved by God the way a hand moves water. He can move city officials' hearts. He can move family members' hearts. He can move spouses' hearts, kids' hearts, bosses' hearts. He can move the hearts of those people's hearts that you need moved. Whatever it is in your life, he can do it. And he wants to help you. If only we turn our problems into prayers. Where are you suffering? Where are you suffering? Where are you in in pain? Physically, emotionally? Where are you anxious? Where are you anxious? Often we don't even want to go there because we don't want to deal with our angst. where, Where are you anxious? Where are you in need? Where are you in need? Financially? Job-wise? Relationally? Maybe you know right away what that is. Maybe you're more like me. It's like, I'm fine. I just deal with it. And you don't even look at it. You just carry it along. You just kind of just tough. You don't whine, but you also don't pray. Preparing for today, I felt that 
that we need to learn to pray for things we've never prayed for. That some of us have never prayed for certain things because we feel we should be able to do, deal with it, that we should be able to do it, that it's kind of a sign of immaturity if we have to have God's help. Please turn these things into prayers. God is waiting for you to turn these things into prayers. When you pray alone, when you pray with others, when you pray here and receive ministry, when you meet with someone next week and you ask them to pray, bring up these issues. Bring up these concerns and areas of suffering. Don't carry it alone. Don't pretend you're okay. We all need each other's prayers. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I praise you that you are a God who cares. That you call yourself Father because you care. It's in your DNA to care for us. Thank you, Father, that you care about all our worries, all our fears, all our problems, all our sufferings. You rejoice with us when we do well, and you fret, fret, fret with us. You, you suffer with us when we suffer. You care. And you want us to turn these problems into prayers. And I pray that you would help us to take all our problems and turn them into prayers and come before you based on who you are, knowing that you want to help, that you want to give good things to us. I pray that you give us faith to pray because of who you are. And I pray that you give us strength to pray until we receive assurance that our prayers have been heard. I pray, Father, give us prayer partners. I pray that you give us people to pray with. Father, I pray that we will be changed, that from now on we would take the problems, the problems we talk about with other people, and turn them into prayers. The problems that we think about before we fall asleep and we would turn them into prayers. Father, I pray that we would, in a new way, take our sufferings and bring them to others to pray. I pray that where we've prayed alone, we would pray with others. I would pray, Father, that it would be new prayer groups new prayer partnerships happening in this church. I pray for the whole city of Vancouver and every church that there will be new prayer partnerships happening, that we would follow what you're saying, that we get help, we get people to pray for us when we need it. Father, I thank you. 
Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you listen to our prayers. That you are not a God removed, but a God close. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you gave us the gift of prayer, Lord. We praise your name. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Marcus. I want to encourage uh, any of you who wish to uh, just receive prayer this morning to come up to the front. Uh, there'll be some of us uh, in leadership available to pray with you and for you. And so uh, this concludes our morning worship. Let's just pray. So may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be upon you, which surpasses all understanding. May you go forth this week in the knowledge of his love and his goodness. May you continue to be the light, the window in which folks around you see our God. Amen.